Welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. And let me tell you, this conversation that's coming up is going to do just that. But before we get to that, stop what you're doing and make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. And while you're sharing this content, hop on over to our page on whatever social platform you use and make sure that you follow us on social media. This way you can see all of our content and be up to date on what's happening. All right, today we have a very special conversation back and forth between our youth president, Derek Borders, and a very special guest, his mentor, and somebody that we are all familiar with, Pastor Matthew Johnson. Now, he is the senior pastor of the Sanctuary Church in Columbus, Indiana. He's also been a senior pastor at another church. He's been the youth ministry's uh, promotions director and then secretary in our UPCI World Headquarters. He's a decorated camp speaker, a fantastic father, and all-around amazing Christian guy. Let's dive right in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. So good to uh, get to come to you again today. I hope you've been enjoying these. There's been some great ones. If you haven't listened and caught up with all of them, go back and listen to the other episodes. There's a ton of valuable content. We miss seeing you at our live events, but there is a great online event coming up in just a couple of weeks, and you're going to want to watch the Next Gen social media channels to make sure you're aware of those details happening on Saturday, October the 24th. Know that you're going to enjoy that and be blessed by that. I'm so excited today because I have one of my close friends and mentors with me sitting across the table from me, Brother Matthew Johnson, and so glad that he's able to join us today. He is uh, a man that most of you are know and are familiar with. We did a poll on Instagram, on the Oklahoma Youth Instagram a while back, and they asked, what's your favorite snow cone flavor? Who's your favorite camp speaker? And Brother Matthew Johnson's name came up multiple times as the favorite speaker, right up there next to the Boomer Sooner snow cone. And uh, we're so glad that he's here with us today, a recently elected pastor in Columbus, Indiana. And so, Brother Johnson, thank you for being here and being a part of this today. I know that Next Gen's going to look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much, Brother Borders. And, and uh, it's always great to be in Oklahoma again. And I've always said that, that some of those camps and times conventions are still among my favorites. Ironically enough, last weekend at church, someone, a young lady came up to me and said, you remember me? And I, I didn't. I felt bad. But yeah. she said, you preached at Oklahoma Youth Camp. And now her parents go to church at the sanctuary. And uh, she said, I still have notes from those services. And it, it, it does bring it all around of the importance of what you and the team um, do here in the district, and it's just great to be back with you. Absolutely, and we we missed having those experiences at camp this year, but look forward to getting back in the swing of them. We'll get through this. Yeah, we'll get through this. I'm encouraged though. A lot of the next gen uh, and hyphen age, I've seen them gathering together and doing things and outreaches together, and and uh, so I think it's been great great season with this generation stepping out and doing some awesome stuff. You know, when we look back, it's kind of going to be a novelty. We'll look back yeah. and say we got through this. But uh, thank you for these resources, and uh, thank you for having me today. Yeah. Well, it's an honor to be here. Let's get started. Yeah. 
first question I want to know, you've, you've had a lot of different roles. You've ran uh, surgery centers, and you've been at headquarters and working in the youth ministries, and now you've been a youth pastor, you've been senior pastor role. I want to know, where did it all begin? All right. What was your first role in ministry? It all began in a nursing home. I went with my mother to visit old people, and we had puppets. Nice. And I can still do the voices. <laughs> and I remember going in and, and, and seeing a lady who was in bed who honestly was probably probably almost dead. And we just did puppets and made her smile. And I learned from my mother just the value of just taking time out for people who, honestly, maybe their family wasn't even visiting them. So that was one of the first roles that I had in, in ministry. And then also I was the king photographer. Nice. And that there. was very exciting. And I got a chance to meet a lot of people. And it was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, capturing those behind-the-scenes moments. Right, right. Getting to meet all the preachers who came through. And, and I, I mean, I remember one time one of the preachers stopped and actually talked to me. And I thought, man, I'm just a camp photographer. And you're talking to me? And uh, those those memories will forever be with me. Sure. I also do remember, I know we're going to talk about some of this later, I always remember the preachers who wouldn't talk to me because I was just a camp photographer. And uh, that was an interesting experience. It's yeah. amazing what you see when you're a young person just trying to do your job in the campground. Absolutely. You start identifying who you want to be like and who you don't want to be like. Right. And then... You know, the other main thing early in ministry was just fundraising, fundraising, fundraising. I mean, at our church, we did barbecues, and I remember so much potato salad and, and baked beans, and it's starting like at 5.30 in the morning and thinking, why are we doing another barbecue? But it was for She's for Christ, yeah. and we believed in it back then, and of course, I still believe in it now. And by the way, all those out there, give the She's for Christ. This is the time of year. Yes, by the time... The weekend we're recording this, we are collecting the totals. Yeah. So hopefully by the time Every they hear this, they'll, we'll have a record offering by then, hopefully. <laughs> so going back to kind of identifying those those people that were in your life and, and the people that kind of touched you and made a difference, who did you look to as a leader in those times? Who did, who did you see? Who was a voice in your life that, you know, you thought, I want to emulate that? There were several. One of them was my pastor, Roger Groman, who, ironically enough, pastored in this district for many years in Paul's Valley. Wow. And um, he, after he left Oklahoma, he actually went to Hannibal, Missouri, and he was my first pastor. And I remember watching him and, and just how he operated in the spirit and how he could go to, you know, he, I mean, he, he was a fiery preacher, and he taught me a lot of things, but then I remember moments he'd say come on let's go get a cheeseburger together let's let's spend some time and um, so I, I really looked up to him I also looked up to the super my former superintendent Steve Williford he was just a, a great man of God and uh, it's uh, another one when I was going to youth camps and convention was uh, Pastor Aaron Soto from Wisconsin who continues to be in my life and, and really uh, Pastor Groman did pass away um, several years ago, tragically. He actually died in his church office. Wow. Uh, Brother Wilford and Brother Soto continue to still invest in my life. And, and they are very, very special leaders and are continue to do great things. Yeah. 
know, both of them have been in the Oklahoma district for different events and gotten to speak to this generation. How how did you those, those men? I know that those were men. Maybe you came across by chance in as in the course of life. But how did you? At what point did you realize that these are men that are speaking to me and I want connected to my life? Was it something they sought you out? Did you did you seek to learn from them? I think if especially this audience that's listening today, the biggest misconception is that some mentor is going to come up to you and say, I want to invest in your life. That's right. just not going to happen. Right. It's going to be you reaching out to someone. And with Pastor Soto's situation, you know, he came and preached youth revivals. I remember him showing me how to tie a tie. And he, he'd, every time I was there, he would put his arm around me and say, I believe in you. And, and here I was. And, and now we're both senior pastors. But the next opportunity, there was a gap in time. And then the next thing, I know we're youth presidents together. And here is, I'm youth president with Pastor Aaron Soto, and it just kind of blew my mind how it came around full circle. And that was the time that I said, I, I need you in my life. And, um, and so he began to invest on a, really a monthly basis. I mean, this week he's, we've talked to each other. Um, and, and so it, it was very in, intentional that, that we... I, I told him, uh, I need you. This transition to Indiana, first person I called was my pastor, uh, Scott Graham, and my mentor, Aaron Soto. And I said, I, I don't really know where this is coming from, but I can't say no to this opportunity. So it's it's relationships that every leader you know, listening today could just take advantage of those opportunities. It will change their life. Yeah, identifying those, those relationships that are in your life already. Stepping out, that's good. That's good. I know in my life, that's that's how it's always been. I don't think I've ever looked for a mentor, but there's been men, men like you that have stepped up and just there's been that connection that we knew that I need that voice in my life and need somebody there for me. And you've been that for me, so I appreciate that. Well, and let me add one more thing. There were some other people that I wanted in my life. And when I reached out, I got pushed back, which told me, not that they're bad people, but yeah. it wasn't a good fit. And they didn't seem to have the level of interest in investing in me. And so there's someone else that is better fit. But it needs to be a relationship where it's not forced. It, where If it's forced, then it's going to be very painful. And so, you know, um, honestly enough, this week, uh, Pastor Soto was coming back from a trip, and we just had small talk for a while. We didn't talk ministry. But then we, we got to talking about ministry and our current transition. So yeah. just a great relationship. Sure. Sure. I know that watching you over the years, uh, you have a gift that I don't have that I wish I had. And I've seen it in some other men. I can look back at my life and see that there's certain men that had that gift that I don't have. And that is you, you seem to see potential in people that, that, and pull them on board and get them involved and people who wouldn't maybe normally be involved. And you were that for me. You, you've opened up. I can trace back to you many doors that are open in my life now. I can go back beyond you to men like Brian Fuller, who was my youth president, that had that gift. Like He's able to pull people on. And I know people in the district that he pulled on personally that are involved in the district now. And I wish I had that gift. I wish I was able to do that. But on that note, what are some things that you look for and that you identify 
and and people that 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 they would invest in the kingdom of God. That what are you, some characteristics that would be valuable uh, for, a young for a young leader? So when you're looking for somebody to pull on board, or you see somebody that you know is going to be investing in the kingdom long term, what are some things that you think are valuable for that person to have? I think the first thing is a can-do attitude. Yeah. You, you look if you have ten. If I have ten young men and young ladies in front of me, and let's say half of them are more qualified, but they have an attitude of being cynical, you give me the other half all day long. It, there's got to be a can-do attitude, and you know you're talking about me seeing the best of you, but. Um, you know, you mentioned Brother Fuller. What a, what a great man and what Absolutely. a great friend. And, and if Brother Fuller's watching this, I say hello to him. <laughs> but um, what many people don't know about you as a youth president is before that happened, you were putting together that lookbook, that a little promotional book that God began to open up doors because you had a can-do attitude. And I think with, with the leaders that are, are listening today, just have a, a can-do attitude and a willingness to try, even if you don't have a skill set. Um, and I, I, the, the giftings that you just mentioned, many of those came from Pastor Aaron Soto. He can find anyone and find value in them. The other thing is that he taught me is there are moments where I, early in my, especially in my healthcare career, I could be a little cynical, and he would pull me out of it, and he would. He would, uh, and he wouldn't tell me that's wrong. He would just speak to me in a different way, and I started to listening to the way he would communicate. And I thought, wow, that's so much more positive. We were saying the same thing, and so it was. That's when I wanted to spend more and more time, and it's it's helped me. And and then when I see myself turning negative, that's when I know I need to call my mentor again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you can you unpack that? Because I was talking to somebody else about cynicism this week, and I think uh, I think that's a, a theme that a lot of us deal with. And I didn't even realize I was a very cynical person until a few years ago in reading the book. Can you unpack maybe what that looks like? Um, okay, so your youth president and your youth team—they want to do a new event. Now, in the back of your mind, you might think no. And maybe it ends up no, but at least explore it, allow your team to throw it against the wall and allow it to fall. But when you start right off the bat and say, no, 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 what you're teaching your team is that we automatically, we, we already have the answers. Right. Now, it's amazing how when you wrestle with it, you may still end up being no, but most likely there's going to be some, a little twist on what you originally planned. Why? Because you've involved other people in the process. Yeah. And I think just this, no one likes negative people. Think about a negative person in your life. Do you like to be around them? Do you, you, know, do you want to go to church with them? Do you want to serve on a leadership team together? They're, they always know more than you do. And people just don't like to be around those type of leaders. Sure. Now, do some of them get work done? Yeah, they do. And they have a way of uh, in their own way, but it doesn't provide for very good um, team dynamics and synergy. Sure. I think that applies to being on the team, serving under your pastor. You know, it, 
if you want to be used in your local congregation, but every time your pastor comes to you, you're you're being negative or you're down in it or you're trying to say that you're not doing it the right way, do it my way, or uh, I think that makes the pastor step back a little bit and not not want to involve you and you right. because you're not not just jumping on board and 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 obviously you know there's that team dynamic where you want to make sure you do the best approach. But we give you an example. Um, at the, at the sanctuary, his name is Bryce. Bryce is he actually works at a local engineering firm. I think he's a scheduler is his official title. Bryce will work in any department. His first answer is always yes. So I could say, Bryce, I need to, it's ironically enough because I'm probably going to ask him to do this. I want a hoist in my garage to pull up bikes. I had in my old house and yeah. I want him to do one. I could call him and I say, Bryce, I need to install a hoist in my garage. He'd say, okay. Now he may have never even know what a hoist is, but he has a can-do attitude. You uh, parallel that with someone that you call well, you know, what are the dimensions of it and what are we going to use? I don't know. Yeah. And that's what a lot of ministry is. It's like, I don't know how we're going to get there, but this is where we're going. And uh, if if every young leader could just have a can-do attitude, so many doors would open up. Let me give you another example. Josh Carson, uh, and I know he's retiring going to Calvary. Most people don't know one of the reasons why he got to headquarters. And I'm going to tell on him. Okay, so it was Youth Congress many years ago. And you may remember at Youth Congress, we threw parachutes down from the rafters. It was a big deal. I mean, if you remember, everyone loved it. Now, where did we get those parachutes? You can't buy those anywhere. So we needed to reach out to a youth president who could just figure it out. I reached out to, and we were so bombarded. It was under my portfolio. We were so bombarded. I, I just needed someone. I called this youth president. Oh, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the time. Okay. Call the next one. Never done that before. Who has done it before? Josh, I called Josh Carson. He said, what do you need? I said, this is what I need. He said, okay. Didn't ask any more questions. I think it was a day or so later. He's sending me a video. He's on the top of the roof of his church throwing parachutes down to show that they worked. It's awesome. And then I brought it back to the team and I said, this Carson guy, look at what he did. Now, that might seem like a small deal, and this is the problem with young leaders. They think that everything's small. What, you know, I mean, what is this going to do for me? Well, if that's what you're concerned about, Josh Carson didn't do it that day to be at headquarters. Right. But God opened the door because he had a can-do attitude. And if Josh Carson hears this, uh, those parachutes were awesome, and uh, we need to bring those back just for old times. We should. We should. In the dome, yes. <laughs> I think though that's that's key. Like you want you want more uh, freedom, more liberty to to minister in your local church. Just do it. Just do what your pastor asks you to do when he sees you can trust you uh, with small things, with anything, and, and be able to keep his hands off of it. Then he's going to give you more responsibilities. Let me talk about another mentor that's not in ministry, and that was a surgeon. His name was Michael Buckstein. Michael Buckstein was one of the greatest surgeons I've ever met. One of the, the, my favorite surgeries to watch him do was a gallbladder. I know that sounds boring, but I'd go in and he just was so gifted with his hands. He could go in and get a gallbladder out. I'll never forget him putting the gallbladder on the tray and opening up and showing me the stones and said, here's the problem. 
but he's one of the best surgeons. In fact, um, at one point my wife had to have surgery and he's the first one I called, but he was also my boss. He was chairman of the board. One day was a particular busy day at the surgery center and all the operating rooms were just full steam ahead. We needed him in the operating room and he was out in the parking lot and I needed to talk to him about a few things. So I actually went out to his car so I could talk to him all the way in. On the way in, I noticed, uh, well, I didn't notice, he noticed that there was a piece of paper blowing in the wind. He stopped our conversation, he stopped everything, and he said, uh, we need to pick up this piece of paper. I said, okay, and I, I kind of brushed it off like, no big deal, it's trash. And he stopped everything at that moment and he said, I want to remind you, you see the reception area? We looked inside, it was all glass, whole front of the building. He said, do you realize that your staff of nurses and office members are watching you and I right now? And if we walk by this piece of paper, they are going to say, well, that's just normal. You just, you know, he taught me something about being self-motivated and not, someone didn't have to tell me to pick up the piece of paper. I know it needs to be done, so do it. So all the young leaders here, my question to you is, when is the last time maybe you started a prayer meeting with the young people or you came early and made sure that things were clean around the building or you you just walked in the bathrooms to make sure there was enough toilet paper. I think one thing that I wish every young leader can get in their head is self-motivation. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to be spoon-fed. And when um, I got a phone call to be promotions director in Missouri District, which was my, I guess some would say my big opportunity, um, the reason why I was noticed is because I've, created a database for campers. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, it was a, just a database, but because I had the willingness just to be a self-starter and see a problem and just fix it and not a willing, not a desire to have any positions, that's when God opened up the other doors. So I think this whole topic of being self-motivated and can do spirit and have a positive attitude to me if every leader would do that, they'd be amazed that the doors would open up, not only in church, sure. but also in the secular world. When I was hiring new nurses, who wants a negative nurse? Right. Guess what? They're going to cause me problems, and they're going to cause the patient problems. Yeah. That attitude is so important in all this. That's so good. That's so good. And even, I think, in the session we were in last night, you mentioned that, uh, what if I do all this and pastor doesn't see me? You know, what, what happens then? No. For then, just God gives you the reward. And I think um, if we have an issue right now with some young leaders is they want credit for everything. Yeah. You, you know, looking back, I didn't get credit for stirring the baked beans at that barbecue. I didn't get credit for a lot of things that I did. I wasn't looking for credit. And I think that's the key. God will take care of the rest if we just do our part. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. Any other characteristics? I think what's given is a spiritual walk with God, but it has to be mentioned. There are a lot of leaders who want to do great things. Oh, I want to be the hyphen coordinator for our district, or I want to be involved in CMI. All of those are good things, but where are the fruits? Where, where's the spiritual fruit on your tree? No. Can your pastor depend on you to have a prayer life? Before you look at opportunities, Start with the very basics of your walk with God. Sure. I think that is a given, but many times it's overlooked. And, and if 
to every young leader who's listening today, what, what does your prayer time look like? And I'm encouraging you to do something that I did as a young leader. And I know I'm going to get criticized from someone. But I actually got a timer and I set a time for my prayer time because I know my flesh. My flesh does not like to pray, right? Right. So I set a timer and I set that timer. And one time I think at Oklahoma Youth Camp, I asked all the young, young people to do the same thing and just set a time and have discipline. And that's the last thing I want to mention in this segment is discipline. Discipline in, of, of getting things done. And I had a young leader that I had to let go because he had no discipline. He wanted to wake up at noon and he wanted to stay up till three in the morning and live on Red Bulls. And he wanted to have all the ministry doors open to him, but he had no discipline. And I advised him over and over again, and he didn't listen. Contrasting that was a young leader with a lot of discipline. And where those two are today, one is not even living for God anymore. And the other one is currently serving as a youth pastor doing great things in the kingdom. And the biggest attribute that separates the two of them is discipline. Sure. That's good. What would you say to the young person that maybe feels like they're praying, putting in their time? Uh, and I've, I think I feel like I've had several come to me this year and say, you know, I am praying, I am reading my Bible, but I don't feel God. And I don't know if that's just because of the climate we're in right now, kind of that pressure. Well, how do you how do you go from it just being rules and then it, it becoming a relationship? Mm-hmm. I think there's times that I set the timer for prayer. And I felt nothing. And there's going to be seasons like that. Yeah. Even as a pastor in ministry, as a youth president, you have sure. times when it's like, I don't feel it today. How many times in your job, you know, I can say a lot of days I didn't feel like going to my job. You still go through it. And there are, there are times when it feels like God isn't working and he is at work. Um, and so d- during those times, that's where the discipline part comes in, is still doing it even though you're not seeing the, the results right away. And that's hard because we like to pray and we want answers right now. Right. Um, the other thing with that y- young leader is if you're doing all those things that the doors aren't opening up, I would ask you to sit down with your pastor and youth pastor and say, where do you need me right now? What can I do? Um let them give you a meaning, a test that you think is menial and meaningless because what they're probably doing is testing whether you're going to accomplish that task. Right. Josh Carson, that example, again, that was just one small deal. But anyone that I would add to, that I've ever added to any of my teams, I gave them something small first. You're a perfect example, Derek. Before you came to, became the main designer at, for the youth department, Way before that, you got one project. Right. The problem is young leaders, they just want all of it right now. And that's not normally how it works. God gives you little pieces at a time to see if you're going to accomplish it. See if you get bored with it. Yeah. You know, um, and I know everyone says, well, give them the cleaning department. And, and yeah, sometimes that is the case, but sometimes it looks something different. Like this week, you know, I need you to work the parking lot. And that may be a test. Well, I'm going to work the parking lot the rest of my life. No, it's probably just a test of your leader to see if you'll actually get out there. What happens if it rains? Get an umbrella. They don't have to tell you. What if it's hot? Get water. And so it's 
the, the leader is probably looking for you to fulfill those. And if you feel like you're, you're spinning your wheels, you probably need to ask that last thing I did, how did I do? And allow them to give you honest feedback. Yeah, that's good. Very good. What, what are some characteristics? We talk about characteristics of those who are seeking to be involved in the kingdom. Let's go to the inverse of that. What do you see in those who are maybe mishandling their potential? Ego. Ego is sure. a big one. Uh, ego is just, um, I mean, just begging for the microphone, but you can't depend on them for anything else. Mishandling it. Um, they, you know, they, they want to do great things in ministry, but their social media speaks at a completely different story. They, they want to be um, involved in ministry, but their worship doesn't speak of it. I think that lack of discipline, lack of submission to the leader in their life, they, they're, they're, they're so ready for all these great things in their life, and yet they, they can't even hear their pastor out. And so they, they, they are so excited about doing a sectional youth rally or, or some grand event or going to a youth convention, but what would the pastor say about that young leader? Right. Well, if, if before you do all those grand things, I want my pastor to be able to say, wow, what a, what a faithful person. And, and sometimes for a young leader, they want to skip that part. They, they want to get to greater and bigger. And, and if, if that would have been the case in all of my ministry doors that opened up, guess what? They called the pastor first. And they asked the question, how is he doing the local church body? And if, if you don't pass that test, those other doors won't open up. Right. And it, it's the same thing in business. There's young leaders who say, well, I don't want to preach those events. I'm not a preacher. I want to be a doctor. Well, guess what? If you want to be a doctor, that chief surgeon or whoever it's going to be, they're going to be doing the same thing. Are you going to show up on time? Yeah. Are you going to have a, a can-do attitude? Um, and then I have to add this. Those who kind of lose out on their potential... They marry the wrong person. Thanks. They date the wrong person. And I can't tell you how many do that, and all of a sudden you have someone full of potential to all of a sudden their heart is pulled away. Sure. So that person who's a young leader who's listening right now, and you better be very careful who you marry. There's no way I could be a senior pastor today without my wife. We've been married for 25 years. Every step of the way, in, in the moment when I was doing the best financially in my entire life and, and I was running a, a surgery center, in that moment when we had to take a pay decrease to enter into full-time ministry, if my wife was so um, intent on possessions, she would have said no. But because her heart was in ministry, she would say, this is exactly what we need to do. Yeah. But if she, you know, if she was in love with possessions, we would still be sitting there and I would not be fulfilling my full potential. There's a book that I would recommend to everyone listening. It's called Made for More by Brother Brian Kinsey. Great book. And uh, actually, we're doing a series at the church right now. But it's a reminder of that everyone listening is made for more. But it's these little things that really matter. Absolutely. I think, I think too, that that more isn't always in the spotlight. Uh they cut this from the episode. I'm not a final editor, but just to be transparent, my wife, I know, struggles a lot of times because, you know, you got pushing for women in ministry, and I'm fine with that. But my wife doesn't feel that. She doesn't feel like she's going to stand behind a pulpit um, 
that's not her ministry. But if I need anything done, and most of what people see from me is my wife has done it behind the scenes, and I got the credit for it. And I think just being able to be faithful in that ministry and and accept the fact that I don't need to be in the spotlight to fulfill that ministry. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about being comfortable in our own skin. Sure. Um, I know there are certain things that I can't do that other ministers can do really well. I'm okay with that. I have to surround myself. For example, we're, we're doing a building project at church. I don't have that eye to see architecturally the way things should be done. I just can't. Right. So I need to surround myself with people. Um, I think what your wife is saying is that she's comfortable being herself. Absolutely. Early in ministry, my wife, she could play the organ some, but she said, I'm sorry, I can't play the piano like so-and-so, and and I can't um, do this like so-and-so. And I said, if I wanted to marry that person, I would have. I married you. And she's okay being herself. Absolutely. And it's when you try to be like someone else just because you think that's the the mold. Everyone's different. Right. You and I have different giftings. You're an amazing graphic designer and you're also very organized. Okay. I am not a graphic designer. That's why we work so well together because we could we could help each other. It's okay. I but um to all the leaders um listening right now, are you willing to identify those weaknesses in your life? Let me give you another example, okay? So I love excitement. I love new projects. I don't really get excited, for example, as we're, uh, I got pictures of the fellowship hall that we're revamping. I don't get excited about laying out the lights and the electrical. I don't care about that. I want it done. Yeah. So I have to bring people into my life who are good with those details. I love big picture, not details so much. Um, I do like Excel spreadsheets. I know that's quirky, but I, I do like it. But I get bored when projects are monotonous. Right. So I like new projects. Well, if you're always opening up new projects, it can cause mass chaos in your church. So I have to bring people in after the idea is there who then come behind me and help me. It's okay that I recognize this. It's okay that I admit it. It's okay that I admit faults to my team yeah. because they're already seeing it anyhow. Yeah. By me admitting it, it, it opens up an environment that is very healthy. So everyone who's listening right now, maybe you're not the best speaker. Just be the communicator that you are. I struggled with that over and over again because I, I'm not a Wayne Huntley. I'm, I'm not some of these great preachers that I heard. I'm just me. And I'll never forget one time I tried. I'm thinking back, it makes me laugh, but I... Apparently, I tried too hard because my wife came to me afterwards. and We have a rule that she gives me three days after I preach because right after three days, it's too raw. She gives it, it's a three-day rule. And the secret for all the young preachers here, the three-day rule is great because normally they forget after three days. That's just the... <laughs> but this one, she did not. And after three days, she said, I need to talk to you. I said, what, honey? She said, you know that sermon the other day? I said, yeah. I kind of puffed up a little bit. You know, I thought it was a pretty good one. I brought it. You know, I thought I did okay. And she said... That wasn't even you. I said, what do you mean? She said, that didn't even sound like you. And I realized, looking back, that I was trying to be something I wasn't. Yeah. She said, when you preach, you're quirky, you tell dumb stories, but it's, it's what gets our attention. She says, I like those dumb stories. 
She said, I like those attention getters because that's how you communicate best. She said, yeah, you had a hundred scriptures, but you lost me after five minutes. Whoa. I mean, and that day I decided I was going to be comfortable in my own skin. Sure. And that doesn't mean I continually work on enhancing who I am, but I think if every young leader would just feel comfortable in their own skin, they, they would add a lot of years to their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you had no high-pitched voices in that sermon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think one time at Oklahoma camp, actually, my voice cracked really loud, and everyone started laughing right in the middle of my sermon, and I laughed with them. <laughs> and uh, actually, when they first came to the sanctuary, Bishop Mitchell has a very low voice, and I have a very high voice. They had to change all the settings just for me and made me laugh. <laughs> I'm okay with that, though. You know? Yeah. So I am. Yeah, just be who, be who you are and embrace it. And uh, God's given you special gifts and special talents for a reason. Right. And obviously we want to further our education and we want to study, but we also want to be submitted to the man of God and, and do what we're asked to do and where we're placed. Well, just one last question. Yeah. Can you highlight one positive thing that you see that this generation is doing right? I, can, I, I can't just one because there's so many. Sure. Go ahead. The, the excitement of young leaders, the, the leaders who do exactly what I'm saying, this can-do attitude. Let me give you an example. This last week, I called the phone system at our church, and literally someone at the church had done the voiceover for the, the answering. You know, leave a, thank you for calling the sanctuary. Please leave a message. Well, that's not really the professionalism that I want on our phone system. We have a full phone system that can do greetings and everything. So I, I went to one of our young adults and I said, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want our phone system to be very professional. I said, you've probably never done this before, but I want someone to call and they, it sounds like this. Thank you for calling the sanctuary. We're so glad that you're here. Press one to hear directions to the church. Press two for service times. Press three for Spanish ministries. Press four for daycare. And I said, I want you to write the script and I want to hire a voice out and I want it to sound very professional. Emily has never done that in her entire life. Yeah. But this week I'll have first draft of it. This is what I'm talking about, this generation. In former generations, they would just look at you and say, I don't do that. That's not my thing. This generation has a can-do spirit. Um, they have a love for people. They have a love for social causes. They have a desire to get the church outside the walls. I have young leaders in our church right now coming at all hours of the day. They will come at midnight to the church and pray. There is so much um, potential. And because of that, we are actually growing that group in our church. And, in, and I'm going to be spending more time investing just in them. That's how strongly I feel about it. And what Kristen Keller is doing with the hyphen program around the country, the force and the power of it, it's a big reason why North American Youth Congress is where it's at today. Right. Sure, it's young people coming, but there's a lot of young adults. And so to all the young leaders out there, your pastor needs you so much right now for the revival that your community needs. You have what it takes, whether you went to college or you didn't, whether you, you have a background in ministry, you don't. I don't. I'm the only one in my family who's in ministry. In fact, my dad discouraged me in ministry and still does today. Don't give me excuses of why you can't be used for God. Make yourself available. Go to your pastor. Set up an appointment because there is so much power and potential in you 
and the leaders around you, God has a mighty work for you. Absolutely. I believe that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Before we go, why don't you say a prayer over over those that are listening and ask God to direct us. Yes, and thank you so much to you and the team for allowing me just to share my heart and just let me be real. Lord, I thank you so much for every leader that's listening right now. God, I remember at that stage of life, times that I was so discouraged, and I, I wanted to be using your kingdom, but Lord, you saw my, my brother was an addict, and my parents, God, they, they weren't encouraging me in ministry. In fact, my, my dad couldn't even get along with the pastor. God, you, you saw those moments, and, and you look back, and I remember my secret time with you on that ugly green carpet in my bedroom. I remember meeting you there. And I want to thank you, God, for seeing me through those tough times. And God, I feel like there's someone listening today that's going through a tough time that may even be dealing with feeling that they, they're not worthy or feeling like, what, what can I do in the kingdom? I'm asking you to encourage that person today. I'm asking God to let them find worth in you and you alone. For that one who's going to college and giving their very best, I'm asking you, Lord, to speak to them about making sure they keep you first, that you are God, that you're in charge of everything. Lord, use each leader that's listening today in a mighty way. Let them help this district and every church, the greatest revival their church in the district has ever seen. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Like always, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you listen and make sure to share it on all your social media platforms. This way, as you grow, so will the circle of people around you. Let me also remind you that we have a special event coming up October 24th, online only. It's going to be a very good time. Make sure that you join us on social media to see the updates on this event.